0: This is episode 42 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm talking with Valerie Ormond. Valerie retired after a 25-year career as a Naval Intelligence Officer and began her second career as a writer. She founded her own business, Veteran Writing Services, LLC, providing companies and organizations professional writing, editing, and consulting services. Valerie's novels, Believing in Horses and Believing in Horses 2* won gold medals in the Military Writers Society of America Book Awards and five other first-placed awards in national and international competitions, including Best Veterans Fiction at the 2019 Equus Film and Arts Festival. Her nonfiction stories have been published in seven books, and her articles have appeared worldwide in magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Valerie has been a horse lover her whole life. She and her husband own and ride their three horses, Lucky, Billy, and Chance, in multiple disciplines. They live in Bowie, Maryland, on their small farmette with their two fun-loving dogs. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade and today I am so excited to have Valerie Ormond as my guest. Hi Valerie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Carly, it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: I am so excited to have you. It's been a minute since we've we've seen each other. I think we saw each other a few years ago at the uh, American Horse Publications conference, but it's been a minute, right? Right,
1: right. Here here in Maryland. So, I yeah. um last year I got kicked off of three flights for weather and there's just a point where you realize that maybe you're just not supposed to go. So sorry, I missed you all. I saw you had a great time in the the whole author situation.
0: So yeah, we, we did, we did miss you last year and we had a great author uh, meetup at the, at the event and hopefully we'll be doing that again at the next conference. And uh, we missed you very much. So this is a great opportunity to reconnect and talk about what you're up to. And uh, I always really like kicking off these interviews with the time old question how did your love affair with horses begin, Valerie? <laughs> my brother was a
1: school teacher, so he told me to always have props ready, right? So <laughs> here we go. This is a picture. I know you can't see it very well, but it is of me and my brother. Of course, my brother's in front at the uh, Cherry Blossom Festival here in Washington, D.C. So uh, we went, as, as you know, as, as people usually do around here at that time of year, and there was this big, beautiful bay horse. It was a police horse, and at Three years old, uh, somehow I knew the word horsey horsey and I pointed at it and that sweet police officer uh, scooped me up and put me on his horse. <laughs> of course, they'd never do that today, right? <laughs> Probably would be, break all kinds of legal rules. But uh, I, 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 it's funny because I say that's what started it because it's what I remember. But uh, if you walk it back, somehow I had to know what a horse was in order to say that. So I think mm-hmm. it's just been something that's always been there.
0: Oh, yeah. And I and that is uh, how it is for a lot of us. And a lot of the yeah. other authors I've been interviewing, it's just like, we you're born with a special gene or something that makes right. us just love horses. And yeah. then, and so you fell in love at an early age, and you mm-hmm. had that awesome experience of a policeman picking you up and putting you on the back <laughs> of the horse. And then how did how did your love affair continue? Do you have horses in your life now? Or you know, where, where did that take you after after that um, memorable moment?
1: Well, my grandmother, for some reason, uh, she had a real thing for horses, too. And so my, my parents knew that I, I wanted a pony. I wanted a pony. I kept asking for a pony. But my grandmother got me riding lessons. And it's funny because uh, it moved all over the world. And right now, I live probably five miles from where I had my very first riding lessons up, mm-hmm. up the road here. I rode a horse and- named Uncle Bill, it was a little pony, a little paint pony, and had my first horse show. And I won a blue ribbon. Mm-hmm. And it just... Just We continued, and I grew up here in Bowie, Maryland, where it's very much horse country. There's three racetracks around here, and a lot of us grew up riding those off-the-track horses, thoroughbreds, before that was really a thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I uh, always managed to uh, take tried to try to take a lesson here or there, a ride wherever I could, you know, clean stalls and and be able to hop on somebody's horse. And then eventually leased my first horse when I was 14 and then, then went away to college and uh, rode throughout my life here and there. And then uh, right after 9-11, I actually said, okay, I'm not putting off having my own horse any longer. So, uh, you know, every day could be your last. And so I, bought a horse and then, you know, kind of like potato chips, <laughs> 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 got a second one. And, and then that actually became my husband's horse. And uh, so I, I had my first pony, like my, a my, 27 uh, year old now, he was 10 at the time, pony. Then I bought my husband, this quarter horse, racing quarter horse, Billy, my, mine's name's Chance, Billy. And then when I retired from the Navy, I decided to, I wanted a project horse that I would start for my own. Mm. And uh, that's Lucky. And he's the the horse. In my books.
0: Oh, that which is perfect subway because I was going to talk, <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you are a retired naval intelligence officer. Thank you mm-hmm. for your service, uh, Thank Valerie. You. And now you write books and stories sharing lessons, your lessons learned, basically. So can talk to us about your books. Tell us about uh believing in horses and believing in horses too. Where are these the babies bubbled up from
1: well this is believing in horses that is lucky on the cover
0: Aww.
1: so uh that story came to me in the middle of the night no kidding uh i had when i went to go look at this horse lucky to purchase them i said to the woman who owned him her daughter was getting very sad that he was leaving. Even though they she had never ridden him, nobody had ridden him, it, it, she just had this certain connection to that horse. And so she was in her room crying, and her mother found her the day they were shipping Lucky away. And I told her, I said, well, just tell, tell her Lucky's going to go off and do something very important in Washington, D.C., like go be a senator.
0: <laughs> and she just,
1: <laughs> and she said to me, you know, that'd make a really cute idea for a children's book. So I had never thought about writing a children's book, but uh, it must have just gotten in my databank somewhere to write a book because I woke up 3 o'clock in the morning one day and I had this whole idea for a book. I, When I retired, I wanted to help rescues and was very interested in the unwanted horse population. And so I thought about it and I said, you know, if I could write a book that talks puts a spotlight on that situation, uh, but also I could tell share some of my lessons learned through my life Uh, both as a horse person, but also in the Navy, and the military, and talk about a family in the military, Uh, perhaps that I could reach a wider audience of people to help, and and, and put a spotlight on the the rescues themselves and the volunteers and how hard they work, Mm -hmm. that I could reach a lot more people than if I just went and helped at one little tiny rescue here in Maryland.
0: So and that's what I did. And that's, and it's incredible. And I see over your shoulder there in the background, <laughs> um, you've won multiple awards for your mm-hmm, books. And then mm-hmm. you, you do have some some other books that you've written too. Right.
1: So this one is Believing in Horses too. And this story really, I, I only intended to write one, but when I, when I was writing it, I wanted to include horse equine therapy in the book. Mm-hmm. And we all know about, you know, page counts and that kind of thing and the first book was already kind of long enough so I said well I guess I'll put this in a whole second book and I did and I uh, said so my this one she her dad is still in Afghanistan and something had happened at the end of the first book that made her really start worrying about her dad so She's worried about his safety and whether he's going to get injured or maybe even worse and she realizes she needs to do something to distract her from those fears. So she decides she's going to show at the biggest horse show around here in Maryland this new horse that she's, you know, young horse and we all know what it's like to show a young horse but but she's determined and she's going to do it she's going to make her father proud. Mm. And then she finds out when she goes to check on one of the horses she rescued in the first book about equine therapy. Mm -hmm. And she says, wow, this is really, really interesting. I want to do this too. I want to get as distracted as I can be. And turns out that she does get involved. But both of those things challenge her even more and kind of make her become, believe in who she is, and become the person she wants to be. And, yeah. and some of these other books, a variety of stories that I've written for other books, one of them is called um, Five Must Know Secrets for Every College Girl, mm. for today's college girl. And uh, this is a book about kind of arming young girls leaving high school you know, don't forget your soul, don't forget your this, don't forget, don't, all the things that you need to hold on to, even as you're maturing in that, you know, kind of awkward stage for a lot, and so I wrote a story that had to do with the Navy uh, Mm -hmm. for that, for that book, it was, it was a, got a request for input, and I answered the query, and talked to this woman back and forth, her name is Laura Salamone, and it was a wonderful experience, and the others are uh, mostly military stories about my family, or stories, one of them, was so excited, made, actually made the cover of a magazine here, downtown Annapolis, uh, and it's about the, uh, Naval Academy Midshipmen. We used to help them back at the barn where we are, and they had an equestrian team, and it was one of the first times they ever had an, equ- an equestrian team, and they were at this big horse show, and so it was all, all about them. But I was so excited I got on the cover. And then I, I wrote a, a story in Sidelines magazine, and that's a, if, for those of you out there who, who don't know what Sidelines is, it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful magazine. Uh, great stories about people they call it the people magazine of horses and uh and it was about and this is the, only, the reason why i'm talking about it, it is about the young girl who kicked off the believing in horses story oh. about the luckies the woman who bred her the daughter and how we kept in touch over the years and she came here to visit us we brought her to the naval academy and she decided she wanted to go to the the Naval Academy. And so she's now in her, she ended up going to the Air Force Academy in, in, instead. And she's now in her third year oh and she's God. doing very well. And she's probably going to be a pilot. So it, it's just, it's, it's a, I, I, I love the story.
0: You touched her life. That is so yeah. like special. And it, it sounds like you're really, you, you focus your work around young women and mm-hmm. reminding them of who they are. I wanted to ask: Is that article uh, in that you wrote for Sidelines is that available digitally so I can link to it in the show notes so people can? Sure. Get...
1: Yes, I, I'll send it to you after after the show. Oh, that's and, perfect. And and again, you know how we're all connected here. You know, I actually sold that story during that AHP conference where we met.
0: That's lovely. Okay. So, so since you've plugged the American Horse Publications, which is where we first began our relationship, yeah. which has continued on for several years, can you just like share a little snippet? Because you're also a freelance, you're, you're an author of books, but you're also a freelance writer and you write articles right. for, for the media. Can you explain what the AHP has uh, done for you in your career and a little bit about what it does and, and how it works?
1: AHP, first of all, I'm not on the board or anything. So I'm, when I'm giving this Pitch this marketing pitch about them. Uh, it's it's not because because of that. I just I walked into AHP and in I think 2010, right after my first book came out, and I was welcomed with such open arms mm-hmm. that I just I was amazed. And uh, and I went there because I had just written this book. I didn't really know marketing is not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that topic will continue to come up. And uh, but I people there, I just learned so much from them and got some very good tips and some really good advice. And when I, when I go to their conferences every year, they have great workshops. I don't know if you've been to any of like Jackie Mm -hmm. Mm Berezanski's, really learning some wonderful tips for any writer, no matter what, what kind of writing you do uh, Mm -hmm. to make you a better writer and connections and learning things and learning more about what's going on in the horse world. And so it also has a, feature called the newsfeed, the HP newsfeed. And so I use that regularly. Every time I put a press release on there, something has come out of it, Mm -hmm. whether it be uh, somebody asking for an interview or they review my book or just something. And one of them is recently that I sent in was about myself and Robin Hutton, the author of Sergeant Reckless, and we were doing. She there was more of us, but we were doing a veterans' writings work, writing workshop in Albuquerque as part of the Military Writers Society in America conference, and that Horse Nation picked that up and gave us a standing ovation. They do that every week. They they pick somebody, and that went out to they have thirty thousand readers daily. Ooh. so it's just I I can't say uh, enough and I've met great people like you and and all those these other horse book authors and uh, writers and magazine people and so many and just so many forms of media so Mm -hmm. it's it's really nice to have a connection with I have connections with a lot of horse people and I have connections to a lot of writers, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: something about when you put horse people and writing together, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a great combination. And business, that's the other mm-hmm. thing, is a lot of them are very business-oriented and you know, we're all trying to figure out and learn from each other and how how do you make this happen and what's the best way to do this? And mm-hmm. everybody's really willing to share.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is not
1: always the case in business. That, <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that is right. It is a very, very cool, supportive amazing group of people and they have that speed networking opportunities too for freelancers mm-hmm. to be able to pitch story ideas to right. major publications. So this mm-hmm. is the place where Everyone writing about horses, engaging, right? right.
1: So and that's that's where I ended up uh, speaking to the editor of, of Sidelines during one of the speed networking yeah. sessions. And so, yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's, it's a great community and a great place mm-hmm. to uh, get your work out there and share mm-hmm. Your, mm-hmm. news of what you're up to, but then also learn what's going on yeah. across the industry because we often right. get segmented into our disciplines or our breed right. choice, and this is mm-hmm. this covers the gamut, which is which is very cool. Yes. Uh, so thank you. We just uh, did a little little piece for the American horse publications, but, but I back it too. I'm not, I'm not board, but I've gotten tremendous value out of being uh, a member and I've created great friendships just like, Mm -hmm. like what we're doing here. So I wanted to go back to your believe in horses and believe in horses too. And I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a powerful piece of work and, and I wanted to ask you, is there a particular message you hope your readers will take away uh, from those books after they have finished reading them?
1: Yes, it, it is, they are personal. And I had one friend read it and say, well, I really loved your autobiography. She said it jokingly, <laughs> but you you, know, you can't help it to have some things that you, you think and you feel come, come through in your work. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to share the military experience and particularly some of the things like kids moving all the time. People don't understand what that's like if you haven't moved and moved and moved. And again, I didn't move and move and move as a kid, even though my dad was in the Navy, we, it, he was in the reserves by that time, and he, so we didn't move. But I did move as a person in the Navy mm. and just starting over every couple of years, whole new, all new friends, all new this on And it's, it's not easy, but it's really hard on kids because mm. they get there. You know, we have many friends, but when you're eight, you have only had so many friends, so when you have to leave your best friends. So, and starting in new schools and having to deal with new kids. And, and so I, I wanted to really share that, and I thought it was interesting because I used to do a lot of school visits, and I'd say, okay, how many in here have moved? Some, t- some classrooms I'd go in, not a kid would put up their hand. So mm. they just didn't really identify. And I've had some kids say to me, boy, I, I really didn't understand that. And the next time a new kid comes in, I'm going to be – you know, I'll be a little nicer (laughs) instead of looking at them like some kind of oddity. But (laughs) uh, also, you know, the point is I really wanted people to believe in themselves and believe in what they can do because my young character, she's put up against, you're trying to save these 10 horses that she finds and at an auction, it's a pretty difficult situation. And how is she going to do this? She's 12 years old. She doesn't have the money to do it, but trying going to the right people and figuring things out and working with people and, and believing in yourself when you go and commit to a cause. Yeah. And, and, you know, even though both uh, books have the same theme, they're about believing in yourself. They They are mm-hmm. slightly different. There's different things that happen. There are different challenges that, that she faces. And I don't think Maybe every kid isn't going to try to save 10 horses. Maybe every kid isn't going to want to volunteer for uh, equine therapy and be faced with challenges. But everybody faces challenges. So how we deal with those challenges is what determines the outcome. Mm.
0: So... I love that's,
1: that. Yeah, that's that's so it, it, I I think everybody can identify with these. I've had a lot of non-horse people read these books and they say, "Wow, that's interesting. I've I learned something about horses, but I also learned something about some other things too." So
0: Yeah, that's that's why right. it sounds like I was just going to ask you who who you think the audience for your book is because it <laughs> sounds like it can really Touch a whole lot of different people like families in the military adults uh young younger people that are dealing with moves and challenges horse lovers so so what would you say would be like the ideal reader you know for for your books
1: well i started I wrote this as a middle grade that's mm-hmm. what I thought you know maybe fifth sixth fourth fifth sixth grade uh, my publisher marketed it as a and and published it as a young adult
0: mm-hmm. novel,
1: so they because of the length and this and that and some of the you know the wording and the language and that kind of thing, although it's tested at about six six point something grade level. Mm-hmm. So that that's the audience I was targeting, but I've I've found that <laughs> I probably and I've heard some of your other guests say this too. There's probably been more adults that have read it than <laughs> than anyone else. And to me, a very interesting demographic has been men. You know that that like dads of horse girls, and they'll read they'll say, "Well, I just wanted to read it, you know, to make sure." I said, "What?" You, and these are people I know. You think I would write something bad in a kid's book? <laughs> but but. Uh, no, adults read it too because also I think sometimes we all like to escape. That's when back to the young adult days. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like reading that genre is mm-hmm. because it, it's 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 takes us back. So, and and another group that I've found has been very open, very welcoming, and is grandmothers.
0: Oh,
1: yes. So they lots of grandmothers people of the, of the grandmother age most of them we still kind of enjoy the idea of having a signed book like a signed book to a person and they think that's very special and all so many of the granddaughters learn to ride and so they mm. are or they love horses and so and they've they are so generous with their with their kind comments about about because they like the message they really mm-hmm. like the message and I've had a, quite a few that just hound me <laughs> when is your next book coming out so. oh, that
0: is, that's a good problem to have I mean it is we, it's write very for nice. our, we write for our readers and it sounds like you're touching a whole lot of different readers which is which is really fabulous and because you yeah. have such a powerful message so it's, yeah. it's it's great to hear it's getting out there yeah. so you know you, you you mentioned you do school events where you go in and talk like, to people at schools what other too. ways do you find have worked for you to reach your readers
1: well the events like this is a great way to reach readers and it also to learn from other people I've I've watched so many of your podcasts my bookshelf is growing exponentially <laughs> oh, thank you for tun- tuning in oh it's so fun and a lot of these people I've known who they are for <laughs> years I've actually known some of them for years that I, I've learned I've heard them say things that I never knew about them, but oh, it's cool. just one, it's a, it's a great way to, to, you know, get out there. And, you know, they say the more times you you have things said, the better it is. So events like this and uh, my personal connections, I think is, has really been what I mentioned the grandmothers, right? Well, mm-hmm. my mother teaches at a senior center. My mother, 84 years old, still works. Mm-hmm. She's an art teacher. She teaches at three local senior centers and she is very very proud mother and she tells everybody about my books and she she tells everybody everywhere about my books and so it, it's it's wonderful to have that kind of support my husband you've met my husband mm-hmm. he's Lovely. one of the most social people on the planet and so he we meet people everywhere we've met people on planes they'll say hey do you have a book you know <laughs> so uh, but it's it's really helpful when you have people like that who help so you know support you and and uh, local media, my mm-hmm. local media have been so wonderful to me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they every time I get an award or something, they do something about it. They I tell them, I send them a press release, or they'll come, they'll do an interview with me, they'll do a story. It, it, they've just been, and and I, I say that because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to chase down sending press releases or whatever, or trying to get interviews with, you know, the Washington Post or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people, yes, that, that'll work, but it, really the people who, who will take care of you are your local media. And particularly if we take care of them, I always thank them, always go back and say, thank you very much, I appreciated it. Uh, in an in a interesting story about this local connections thing, I met a local senator a few years back here in Maryland. He did a tour for us for the Maryland Horse Council in in the state capitol. And he just did such a wonderful job. And he talked to the, there was two young ladies in our group, they were probably 10, 12. Uh, one of them at the time was Wooj Fulton. She's become a very big eventer now. I mean, very big, like Berkeley and Rolex. And so <laughs> she was little at the time. and. So he took her and put put her behind his his, the other sister behind his chair in his office. And he was just so great to them. And so I wrote an editorial for the Annapolis Gazette and said it was how in Maryland it's so nice that we can can actually reach out and touch our legislators and, Mm -hmm. and that they're real people. And so he ends up, his office contacted me, and the next thing I know, he has bought a copy of each of my books for every school in his district.
0: Oh my and goodness. Annapolis. That's yes.
1: <laughs> every public school. And because of that, then uh, there was some, a lot of this, a couple of these teachers or librarians, you know, contacted me and I had more school visits. And, and then he invited me to the Capitol and recognized me on the floor of the Capitol. And so there's, again, more more news coverage for that kind of thing. And it was the, na he, Picked my book for the National Education Association's Read Across America Day. It's the biggest, you know, reading day for for kids. Wow. But both books. So, and I, I ended up. I, I just I I loved his character, his real character so much that I he's a character in my second book, oh. and so I, our our relationship continues. As a matter of fact, he just bought. Uh, a bunch of books for Read Across America this year again. So. That's
0: incredible. See, yeah. you don't ever underestimate the power of, of one person. You know, it's like you right. a lot of really cool things. You mentioned word of mouth. You mentioned that your husband will talk to anybody anywhere. On <laughs> but you never. Yeah. And then you know, you recognize the senator. And 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 look at what just one thing, one little thing. You never know what it's mm-hmm. going to be. Can create I mean you're you're buying a lot of your books that's amazing I
1: would also talk to you know advise other authors authors out there maybe that to see if if they're they feel like maybe they're not reaching um, everybody they want to reach to maybe think about some of those educational pieces or folks that because the more kids we can expose to books horses that's that's the better. And a lot of kids, that's really the only exposure they're going to get to horses. Mm. So it's through words. So if we can do that, you know, that's a that's a great mission for us, Authors United, right?
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because you have experience working with the local media, you know, I want to. I think for for aspiring authors or current authors, authors that may not be working with their local media yet or have been nervous maybe to to reach out, what would be you know a few pointers that you would share? with authors looking to connect with local media. And I do, I agree with you. Local media can be very powerful. Have a
1: very well-written press release. Mm -hmm. Don't make them have to guess about anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you're sending a query, if you can send a query, some of them just do it with really a form these days. Mm -hmm. Make it so that they really only have to read two sentences and make a decision. Mm-hmm. To, and don't start with the catchy sales stuff and whatever. They, they don't have time for that and they're not going to read it. Be available and be, if they want to do something and you have to rearrange your schedule, if if you at all can, then you do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also as just have a relationship that, mm-hmm. again, like I said, follow up. And then the other thing is, for instance, I had a, another relationship with another local journalist here that, I used to help him too. So I, I would know things that were happening, let's say it had to do with a buoy racetrack that he doesn't follow it the way I do, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was something, it wasn't like I had insider information or anything. It's just information that I knew from my meetings and things that I thought he may be interested in, Mm -hmm. uh, but not have been as in the weeds as I was on it. So I'd pick up the phone or I'd send him an email and say, Hey, you know, I just want to, so it is a little, it just can't be one way. It can't all be about us, you know. We, we need to make make and, and keep those relationships. And as I said, always follow up and thank them.
0: Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, the thank you card is not is not dead, or the thank you email is not dead. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think uh, also, I mean, what what I really got that you're saying is build a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it it it. Sometimes it takes a minute to to build relationships right. and and share things with them. That's not you know, it's not it's for them, you know, share things right. that will help right. them in their careers and in and, and then also do you recommend pulling like a an angle of which will help them figure out how to write their story when writing your press release? Right? Yes.
1: Yeah. For instance if I have a I'll just give an example. If I want an award right, and I want to send it to my local media and I want to send it to somewhere else, I, I'll rewrite that four times for four different audiences. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, my one for Bowie, I'll say a uh, local buoy author, blah, blah, blah. She went to Bowie high school, lives in Bowie. Right. I'd send it to AHP. I'd say horse author wins top military writing award, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. you know, just, you have to kind of uh, tailor it to, because again, they are looking for something. Why, why would... They're thinking about their readers. Mm -hmm. Why would my readers care about this? Exactly. Remember, newspapers and magazines sell ad space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to just get a free ad by writing a a, 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 this is all about me piece, they are less inclined to want to do that. So Mm -hmm. it has to be for their readers.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that'll be very, very useful for other authors listening in or, you know, mm-hmm. how to, mm-hmm. how to work with the media. And then there's lots of tips online too, where you can look it up, but you, you know, sure. do do your research on how to best do these different practices before mm-hmm. you, before you do it. Right. It's um, right. very important. And you mentioned that you are uh, you're with a traditional publisher. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found your publisher and what it's been like working with them? Like how yes. how did, that, how did yeah. that magic happen?
1: I'm with a very small press out of Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just pure luck at the time. I reached out. I saw that I saw a horse book and looked up the publisher, and somebody had told me. Uh, uh, woman who had uh, published a bunch of children's books said, look for a publisher who publishes the kind of books that you write, (laughs) which (laughs) it seemed very, seemed like it made a lot of sense, but as a brand new author, I hadn't even thought about that. So I, I, so I I did. And I thought, first of all, I thought about children's books. and I looked at all that and I said, oh man, a lot of those. And I said, I thought about horse books. And so I ended up reaching out to this particular publisher and saying, "Look, I'm brand new in the business and I, I I really don't know, but I've written this book and are can you give me any tips?" And fortunately, uh, the president of the company got back to me and said, "We're not taking on anybody else right now." He said, "But, you know, hey, I'm a, I was a young author too and uh, you know, I'm still a young author." He said, I, "I'll I'll be glad to take a look at your manuscript for you and tell you if, you know, give you any kind of tips or ideas I have." I said, wow, okay, great, thanks. So I sent it off to him. A week later, he wrote me back. He said, we want your book.
0: Oh my gosh, that's yeah. like a dream!
1: <laughs> I know <laughs> it was. Now it is a very small publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say that everything's been, you know, like smooth as a, a, a smooth sailing, not rocky between us or anything. But mm-hmm. you, you're, when you're not dealing with this giant staff and you know, lots of any kind of you know, back end marketing or that kind of thing, but I understand that's not really the case with most big traditional publishers too. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I really appreciated, uh, it, and, and his name is. As, as Jonathan Bowden and uh, we have a great relationship, and I what I really enjoyed was he knew, you know, he knew he knew what he was doing. He had he had, he had been there before, and he he made the book a much better book because mm. he knew how to. He knew editors, he knew wickets, he knew things. I I didn't even know what an ISBN
0: was, you know. <laughs> ISBNs, ISBNs, for those listening in, are very important. And Ray Raikin in episode, I think it's episode three, Ray Raikin goes into details on ISBNs, but it's the identification number for your book. Right. And it's important that you buy them from Boker. So I, I go back yeah. to Ray Raikin's episode and watch that. And right. ISBNs are very important, right? So, right. so,
1: so I, I didn't know these things. I didn't know about front matter and back matter. I've been, I've been reading books my whole life, but I just, mm-hmm. these are things that, really helped get me through all that and he also he listened to me the original pub, the original cover he wanted to have like a picture of a girl on the cover I guess more of your standard which you'll see on a young adult novel mm-hmm. kind of think about like the, some of the series but I just I was really against that <laughs> and I said look I want the readers to have their own in their own mind who this girl is I, I don't want to present a picture of, of who, who she is mm-hmm. and and he said well I said look I'm a girl you're not <laughs> and uh and so the, they went with me and uh and I and and I, I was very happy like I said I, I love that first cover and another little tidbit about this cover is uh the eye there is a small picture it's like a person inside the horse's eye and uh, that is my um mother-in-law when she was nine years old it was an old black and white photo so yeah so and that that was there before twilight did it by the way (laughs) So I, I, and it's sort of, I mean, so you sort of see the girl and you see the girl in the silhouette down there, but still Mm -hmm. you you can't really, you know, it still lets the reader decide what it is that she looks like. So,
0: and and I, I, I agree with that. Like I, -hmm. prefer, I would do silhouetted covers on all of my books because I want the character to live in the imagination of the reader. I don't want to dictate to them what, what the character should look like. So I, I, I agree with that. And then most importantly, you put a horse. On the cover of your books about horses, so the, right. a horse the cover is very important too. So, mm-hmm. so working with the small press, what I heard is they helped you with editors and copy editing, probably the internal formatting of the book, your oh, front yeah. and back matter, yeah. cover design, uh, right. and then obviously they took care of distribution for you as well. Right, so right. on on writing.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. So that that w- that was very helpful. I am interested in self publishing. i mm-hmm. I I did I uh, didn't talk about that. I did self-publish this book right here. It's called Teacher's Tech for Believing in Horses. Oh, cool. And I, this was my brother, I mentioned in the beginning, was a he was a career educator, he still is, he teaches in China. And, but he taught fourth and fifth grade for 17 years. And so he was perfect to have as a partner in this mm-hmm. when I was writing this book, because mm-hmm. he, he'd say, oh, kids love to read this kind of stuff, or they love to hear this, or they love to hear funny voices, and they love to read them out loud. and and he, he's very creative. And so he created this, he had these online, he, we had them online and they are still are online on my, on my website, the mm-hmm. discussion guides and things mm-hmm. to, to help teachers teach my book, my first book. Cool. And even has a whole homeschool series that you could do an entire homeschool series with this book and exercises and, puzzles and things to fill out and things to act and so it's really very very clever and we had them online and we we spoke together at a conference it was a reading conference and it was how how a, a teacher and an author can really collaborate well to make a story that's very meaningful for 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 kids and so they said we it we want a book we want a hard copy book we don't want to have to go online and then, uh, no again that was about eight years ago so things may have changed a little bit but that that's what they wanted and so it's it's really been interesting I've sold this book in Indonesia of all places believe it or not I had wow. some, some educator come to me and say I really would love this book I think I, <laughs> I think it cost me twenty dollars or something to send it there but it, the point was I was so excited that somebody that far away, cared about that book and wanted Mm -hmm. to teach it to kids in the right way that's
0: so. so cool and and you created a companion piece to your books which is you mm-hmm. know another revenue stream right for your books and that's mm-hmm. a very creative way to to do that yeah. and share that information but
1: you know i did but i again i was kind of busy at the time so my brother did this mostly on his own I, and he i just realized i'm not really good at all that formatting and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so uh it's what really that's why i never was too interested in the self-publishing realm, but as uh, you know, as I'm getting a little more mature, I'm thinking, ah, it may, may maybe it's time to learn a few new tricks.
0: <laughs> well, and what's what's so cool about this conversation is you have that option, right? A lot of a lot of authors these days are actually going the hybrid route, where they're working with a, a traditional publisher or small press. And they also uh, do independent publishing, so it's like a hybrid mix of all the all the different right that Do that and mm-hmm. And I will tell you uh, since you wrote your first book, and since even I wrote my first book, things have changed a lot. Yes. And, and independent publishing is getting easier and better and faster all the time. and you know we don't have time to go into the deep dive, but mm-hmm. give me a holler and, and we can chat and I can you know share with you some of the the tools that I use, particularly around formatting that is right it's so e- It's so easy now. Yeah. It's like that. And, yeah. and it's not something to be afraid of. You just have to, you know, do a little bit of a bit of learning and there's a bit of a curve. But once you, mm-hmm. once we get around that, I mean, I'm still learning, I, right. Know, constant, constantly learning and figuring things out. But, but like, that's what the point of this podcast is for too. It's like for authors, you know, who love horses to share ideas and share what's mm-hmm. working for them and get inspiration from other authors, whether they're right. Traditional hybrid or independently published like there's some value in there for everyone. So right, right Thank you so much for for sharing all that now. Now given that we just talked about all of that um, <laughs> Is there anything that you wish you had known when you first got into the business of being an author? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a couple things. Yeah one I would say is I wish I'd treated the books like a business from the beginning mm. so And not because I wrote them to make money. It's just that you seem to take it a little more seriously. And the accounting and that kind of thing. And just keeping track of what you're doing and where you're spending your time. Mm. How much time are you spending on marketing? How much time are you spending on on administration? How much time are you spending on writing? How much Mm -hmm. time are you spending just... Goofing around, reading emails, so just to, looking at it as a business, and and so I, I've actually incorporated my books into my business now, mm. which is which is helpful. It's good for me. It all helps me with the accounting and that kind of thing. So I wish that, and the other thing is I wish that there's a lot of people with a lot of advice out there, and a lot of conflicting advice,
0: mm.
1: and I, I really wish that I had just kind of really follow my own gut on a few things mm. I'll, I'll use my blog as an example I started a blog in 2010 I didn't even know what a blog was
0: <laughs> <laughs> you I really just jumped didn't, right in that's good, that's I really good.
1: Didn't. my friend who's a great marketing person she was a photographer and she said well and of course you have to have a blog and I was like oh yeah of course it's a blog you know <laughs> so, so I but I started as really a, a web blog that's a web blog diary like they first were and I started going down my author journey and this is what I did and then I started going off in some other directions and looking at all these things people said oh you know this is the 15 tips to a perfect blog post and I'm looking I'm like okay and I'm not doing any of them and mm-hmm. it just and, you know and all that and the thing is everybody is not you mm-hmm. and so I've gone you know, kind of full circle. Now my blog is sort of just sort of a a place where I know that every month, I only blog once a month, because that's what works for me. Mm -hmm. It's a place where I know I'm going to, I'm going to create something, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some kind of writing. And it's a great way to go back and look at like a snapshot in time of where you were at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, where was, where was your mind? Where was your writing? And a fun way to sort of document things that have, that have happened. And so there's, a lot of people have great blogs out there and have millions of followers, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm very happy and I'm I'm glad that's what works for them. But in the end, I think it's the same thing with you know your books and your writing, is to kind of settle into what works for you.
0: Great advice, great advice. Because it it what works for you is not going to be what works for someone else, which is not right. going to be right. What works for somebody else, and you know what where can you best spend your time creating something of value you know Mm -hmm. and and so yeah so once a month blog post works for you and that's great you know it's like I love that that's good advice like you know dive in figure out what works for you and then just keep with that rhythm and you don't have to keep up with the Kardashians right (laughs) right you know And
1: and if something isn't working change it Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's that that's. I think that's an, another piece of advice. Is, mm-hmm. and, and I've certainly done that with my business. That say, you know, wait a minute, this, 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 this is this is not. What were my goals, right? What were my goals? And how is this getting me toward my goals? How did I get sidetracked off my goals? And let's get back to them. And so, and making that shift more—it's about business if it is business, and it's about time.
0: You mentioned your business a couple times, and I want to—I want to I talk about that a little bit too, because it sounds like you know running your business has has helped your book business uh, in addition. So, in in 2014, you founded Veteran Writing Services LLC to provide writing services to business clients and encourage other veterans to write. So can you tell us a little bit about your business the services you offer and and why you decided to to start such a unique unique Mm -hmm. company? I I
1: will. Uh, When I retired from the Navy, I was just going, 2009, I was just going to go out, ride my horses, have fun, work out, (laughs) (laughs) volunteer a little. That was my plan. And then I had a call from a former boss who said, can he, can you help me? I've got this project I need to, and he's a retired admiral, I got this project and I got all these people writing and they're all engineers and I heard you just wrote a kid's book. <laughs> I said, yes. He said, well, that's what I need. He said, I need someone in here with that skill set who can make this thing readable to like mm-hmm. an eighth grade level. And I said, really? Okay, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. I didn't know anything about it and he was working for it. It was a big defense contractor. And so I did. I, I went and I worked for him on this project. And then right after that, another friend of mine, another Navy friend of mine, she said, hey, let's go to this Wise, which is Veteran Women Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurship Program. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, very neat. And it was all about starting women veterans, starting their own businesses. And real, very well-run program out of Syracuse University. So we went to this, he did a 12-week online program and it was all about starting your own business and coming up with a business plan and all this kind of so I did that and I had this great idea and I was gonna do this business all about helping veterans write. That was gonna be what I was gonna do. I was gonna go there and I was gonna teach classes and workshops and uh, And I got there, had figured out my whole business plan. We had, it was sort of a speed dating kind of thing that night Mm. where you could go around and talk to, I don't say speed, speed networking is what I mean. So I went up, there was one guy sitting there and nobody was there. He happened to be the vice president of this whole program. And I sat down with him. I said, hi, here's my idea. I've been thinking about it. He said, well, that's great, but that's not a business. (laughs) Poof. (laughs) And I said. Oh my. So if you want to do it as a nonprofit, that's great. And mm-hmm. you know, but I was like, well, no, you kinda want to. So uh he talked me through it and kind of said, Well, where have you made money writing before? And I told him about it. So I was actually writing proposals. I said, Well, I've done this. He said, Well then good. He said, Go out and, and do that, make that your business. And then then you can still go to veterans and say, Look, you know, it's possible to make a living for writing. This is how I've done it. Mm-hmm. And that way you can and then you can fold your books into it as part of it too to say, look here, I'm, I'm a veteran. I've written books and gotten them published, and you can do the same thing. And and so I said, oh okay, well I'll do that. So so I did, and I turned the business around. And but now I I do actually have a couple clients that are former uh, retired military that have written books that have asked me to help them with their books. I also do uh, veteran writing workshops uh, with the Military Writers Society of America. So we go to the VAs and hold workshops, to, it depends, we don't know, if it could be 12 to 70 people when we get there and just trying to get people to tell their stories, veterans Ooh. to tell their stories. Well, it's not just veterans, it's, it's veterans, military families, anybody who, friends, anybody who has an interest in, in telling uh, military related stories. Even in a one, you know, one day workshop, the things you can do with these exercises, People will create this unbelievable piece of prose in five minutes, in a five-minute exercise. Mm. And they'll say, but I just, you know, I don't know how to write. And I'll say, yes, you do. This is beautiful.
0: Just do it. Just write. <laughs> so it sounds like underneath the umbrella of your business, you do all a lot of different kinds of, of work. So you, mm-hmm. you're coaching people around finishing book projects, you're mm-hmm. providing workshops that help veterans realize that they mm-hmm. can write and tell a story. You're also doing proposal work, is that right?
1: Right, right. And that's the bulk of the work I do, mm-hmm. is, is proposal work. I was an intelligence officer, like you said, and so mm-hmm. it's a lot like putting together a puzzle many times because you're given some things that don't fit together and you have to figure out how to make them fit together and in very few words, then in very li- few, very little time. It's a market that there's... A lot of work, particularly here in this DC area, for mm-hmm. most of the ones I do, they're, they're bids for it's like large defense contractors who are bidding on things for the government. I so see. they have to tell them, uh, okay, hey, we we want to bu- we want to build a new IT system, and so I'll work for a company and help them explain how they're going to build this thing and deliver it to them in the way that they want it in the price in the cost that they want it, and that kind of thing. So it's. Uh, it, it's, it's funny because it sounds very dry. It doesn't sound very interesting. But every writing makes you a better writer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was thrilled when I saw that, um, oh, I'm going to forget her name right now. Water for Elephants, Flying Changes. Oh, uh, so, uh, Sarah Gruen. Sarah Gruen, yes. Yeah. She's one of my favorite authors. I knew I'd do that. I, love, she, I, love, I love her work, too. Her I work do, too. Girl. Well, she's a technical writer and so and i read that at the back of water for elephants once and she and so it was in there as one of the q a she says yeah I, I i can learn how to pick up
0: adjectives again really easily <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there, there is something to be said for that because in, in yeah. that sort of writing you have to really strip down also the same freelance writing or, or writing for the media or newspapers you have to, right. learn how to strip down your writing right and i imagine it's harder to strip down your writing than it is to put writing back in so, yeah right, the more writing you do of all sorts of varieties the better right so that's, that's
1: absolutely I, I originally said I was only going to be in business for five years I just wanted to start it and do it see if I could do it by then you've figured things out you're not doing everything for the first time you're not mm-hmm. having to go out and you know, get new clients and everything else you you hopefully have settled into a rhythm so I decided I'd go ahead and uh, you know, do it and I like it too so I yeah I, I'm I'm Stick with it. <laughs> yeah, well, you,
0: you built a business that works. Good, mm-hmm. good. like that's very awesome and powerful yeah. and good on you. And you're you're your own boss. You probably mm-hmm. set your own hours. You decide which pro- projects you want to take on. Mm-hmm. In your, mm-hmm. I imagine working from home. Mm-hmm. So you most most of, of the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of freedom in that. So that that's, yes, that's really wonderful. And congratulations! Yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you i mean and you can you can answer this way this whichever way you want so uh for you what's been the hardest part about being an author or a businesswoman or an entrepreneur and then on the flip side what's been the best part of being an an author or an entrepreneur i'll let you answer whichever way you want is it author or entrepreneur i'll
1: take the author the hardest part for me i don't think you'll be surprised is when i say the marketing so I know it's probably hard to believe, but I am actually a little shy. So it just is, and I I think it has a lot to do with being an intelligence officer for a long time, that I'm just not used to getting out there and go, hey, look at me, look at me, look what I can do, and I'm so wonderful. It just is not, I don't know, I'm very very uncomfortable with it. I, I do know how to do certain things. And that's why when I talked about connections, right? I much prefer to do that than to do the marketing. I mean, and I know, you know, you're a wonderful marketer. There's great marketers out there. And it, I think it's just something that, that people uh, have. And it's it's sort of like the horse DNA, right? <laughs> it's just not something that comes easily to me. So that, mm-hmm. that, would, that to me is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. The uh, best part is when I'm, back at the barn let's say and some little girl walks up to me and said you're the lady who wrote that book (laughs) and this has actually happened Uh, it's Mm -hmm. it's happened quite a quite a bit particularly around here Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, or somebody will recognize me in a restaurant or or something and they'll say and they'll say you know they'll send their bring their kid over you know that's the lady with the horses and who and you know and the positive feedback it's just it's just wonderful of course as 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 authors, you know, we always want to say, can you leave a review? (laughs) But you just heard what I said about the marketing thing. So I I have a hard time doing that. But I I think that's just wonderful. When you know you've touched somebody, and particularly when you've touched somebody's emotions or or had them make a change. Uh, I I have one little group do a, actually two, do fundraisers for horses, for horse rescues because of my book. I mean, and these are just two I know of. That you know, one was a, a a group that used to meet back here, and they raised some money for one of the horse rescues, and another was a uh, with the schools. I did a Horses Rock book club. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's <laughs> so fun. It was again. It was because Senator Ed Riley sent the books to the the librarian, the librarian picked up the book. She had it there. She knew she had kids who liked horses. She, she contacted me and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? These girls would love to actually meet an author. I said, sure, I'll do it. They ended up coming over to ride my horses. Anyhow that, so that kind of stuff is, is that, that, you know, good positive feedback is it just goes a really long way. Oh, and they ended up doing a fundraiser, and uh, we ended up buying a halter for one of the horses that had been a rescue back at the barn where I was. And we Aww. gave the ho- when they came over, we gave put the put the little pink halter on the on the on the mare for you know. With the kids. And so that kind of stuff. I don't know. You know, it's it's the kind of stuff that makes makes me smile
0: absolutely and your words are making a difference i mean look at the ripples of goodness that you're sending out in your in your community yeah. and it's only going to yeah. go further than that so yeah thank you for for thank what you're you. doing for humans and for horses <laughs> yeah. what else where where is Valerie heading um,
1: well i'm pretty sure that uh i've been i've been too busy really to keep writing books because i started this business it's mm-hmm. it's become very very busy so i i just haven't really had the time but I think I also just kind of needed a little break or something. I I, I don't know, but it's just really hit me hard recently. The creative vibe is kicked back in, and I have ideas for what I want to do with the rest of my books. I think it's time for Sadie to go out west. Oh, that's so
0: cool. And see that, I mean, that's sort of, and it's okay to take a break, you know, and and it's like healthy, but Mm -hmm. I always, I always say like, you've got to follow the muse when it shows up.
1: And I've lived out West too. So I, I, I would like to tell that story too. And I kept saying this. I don't know why it actually only really hit me about this week. I've always said, boy, if I had really been smart about this, she saves 10 horses. Each of the follow-on books will be what happened to one of those horses. Well, why doesn't she go out west to check on one of these horses that went to a dude ranch, you know? And and then why doesn't she go here to check on this? And so I, you know, and, and working through different disciplines and and so that's that's what I've come up with, and I've sort of sketched out what each of these I love that do. and yeah, and two of the ponies went to one place together, so they'll be together in one book, but that would be the the initial book, and then nine more and
0: Mm -hmm. it sounds like so many great things are bubbling up and you know the creativity is rolling and isn't it fun to be able to grab one of those ideas and grab one of those ideas and then bring it down to earth and invent something out of that Mm -hmm. well valerie i so wish you success around what's next for you and i've so enjoyed having you you on the show would you share with listeners where they can find you and your books online Mm
1: -hmm. www.believinginhorses.com and uh so that's that's my website and the books are there they are also on amazon and uh but you can buy them you can get to the link from my website to amazon Mm -hmm. too so you just google believing in horses if you google believing in horses you're going to find out even though i'm a terrible marketer there's a ton of stuff out there
0: that's (laughs) the thing like you you're so hard on yourself but you 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 have a presence you know everywhere and and you've done a good job of uh honing the believing in horses for yourself and, yeah. and you're the first thing that comes up. So well, done thank you. Time.
1: Yeah. It's leg- longevity. Longevity. <laughs> absolutely.
0: And I'll be sure the link to, you know, Valerie's social media channels and her website and all the places you can find her books in the show notes. And great. I have so enjoyed our time together, Valerie and keep, thank you. Keep writing. I'm excited to see what you do next and uh, I'm sure we'll be running in the same circles, not too far in the future. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Carly. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to CarlyCadeCreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at CarlyCadeCreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.